Hi, this is Honey Sigari, founder of Chiral, and you are listening to Cut to the Chase. Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 126, entitled Putting Everything on the line. Now, I'm not going to segue and say anything crazy about putting everything on the line because today we're going to talk about the straight up context of putting everything on the line. And we're going to be talking with a featured guest who is an entrepreneur that basically has done just that. And we're going to dive into her journey, her past and all of things that she feels that the rug, or should I say the carpet, was pulled from underneath us. And so as we begin to talk about that today, I have a quote that states, this is me facing failure. This is me putting everything on the line, even though I know I might lose. I'm terrified. But like you said, anything worth having is worth the risk. Now, our featured guest today, I think we hit it off pretty well when I first met her. Of course, I didn't meet her first. I met her PR and her PR person. She was just pushing, pushing, pushing. (laughs) You have to talk to her. You have to talk to her, which was kind of fun. But, you know, hey, eventually we met. And so today our featured guest is an entrepreneur. She's a biochemist and she's also an anti-aging industry disruptor. Now, if you guys didn't catch on to that, I'm going to say it again. She's also an anti-aging industry disruptor. It's amazing to me how people string and concatenate words together and they come up with all these meanings. But anyway, her holistic skincare brand, Chiral, is a combination of lifelong mission to prove, improve lives and increase longevity. Now, she's no stranger to entrepreneurship. She has already experienced a drive of 600%, uh, basically year-over-year growth with her healthcare startup and taking on e-commerce startups from zero to over $20 million in revenue over five years. Like I said, she's obviously no stranger. In addition, she has individualized a science-based product The brand offers an opportunity for entrepreneurship, following in the footsteps of her mother, whose efforts lifted hundreds of wartime widows out of poverty. She sees Cairo as a pathway for women to change their skincare, their income, and their lives for the betterment. Now, that says a lot about my featured guests, but I have to put in some things that You know, besides what's in the bio, it comes down to the discovery. Now, I also found out that she's an avid ballroom dancer. 
and she <laughs> loves doing the foxtrot. <laughs> and so without further ado, I would like to graciously introduce Miss Hanny Sugori. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Wow, <laughs> you've done a lot of digging, huh? How'd you know that? The foxtrot, that's right. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. You do love the foxtrot. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we did a little bit of digging, and uh, certainly that was uh, that was a, a, a nice discovery. You know, you and the foxtrot, and of course you and your brother. All all great things. All great things. Mm. So <laughs> so uh, so certainly uh, any opening remarks. I mean, we're definitely delighted to have you. We're de- we're we're definitely delighted to jump into this discussion talking about putting everything on the line. We think it's very important, not only today for you know investors, not investors, but entrepreneurs, but also for those that are considering getting into business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thank yeah. you so much for having me, Greg. And that was such a generous intro. I appreciate it, but I'm really excited to be here and talk about the past and where we're going in the future. And yes, how you have to put everything on the line sometimes to do what you want to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dive into a little bit of you following in your mother's footsteps. So, you know, your mom was a woman who had great admiration to help wartime widows out of poverty. And basically, you decided that when you were going to create Chiral, that basically that was a pathway for you to kind of set the same stage, not only in skincare, but in lives and and obviously entrepreneurship. But what struck you back then with your mom that kind of played it forward for you? Yeah. So when I was young, I was born in Iran during the Iran-Iraq war, but um, I don't know if too many of your listeners are aware, Iran had a revolution in 79. We were very westernized, I would say. But in 1979, we had a revolution and it became the Islamic revolution. And what they were doing was anyone that wasn't with this new regime, they were putting in prison and it was the majority of them were um, college students. So my mother being a college student, um, or she was, you know, one semester away from graduating, but her and her roommates were imprisoned and all of our roommates were executed. My mother was next in line. So they were trying to build a case for her around her, what what she had done. They, They wanted to gather enough evidence before executing her. So that took six months. And while she was in prison, a fellow classmate that knew my mother very well and was with the new regime sees her name on the list of, you know, who's, who's to be executed and says, Oh my God, I recognize this name. Um, what is she doing there? And so he arranged a meeting with my mother and said, what if I could get you out of here? And my mom's like, whatever it takes, like, get me out of here. Um, Of course I'll do whatever, whatever it takes. And my mother during her rotations as a social worker um, had worked with women who were uh, prostitutes, street workers, and she would do health checks and she was, you know, involved in that way. Um, And so he said, a lot of those prostitutes are now in the street. And because you have a rapport with them, uh, would you be willing to work in this woman's shelter where we're gathering these women up? You know, they're either going to get executed too, or we we have to do something with them. And my mom said, absolutely, I'll, I'll do it. And mind you, she had no background in management or running anything. So 
she went into this woman's shelter. Um, the year is now 1980, I would say 79, 80. And this shelter of 60 women started flooding with more and more women because the Iran-Iraq war started. And there were all these widows of servicemen that, you know, had nowhere to go, no means of income, no um, no way to fend for themselves. And so they started entering these women's shelters. And as you can imagine, these two different groups of women, one being quite conservative, I would say, and the other ones being uh, not so conservative, they started to mm-hmm. clash. So my mom said, I have to find a way to occupy their time. And so she taught them her craft, which was um, sewing. She she needed to teach them a skill, occupy their time or do something. So mm-hmm. started teaching them how to sew. And then after a while, they started catching on and it was it was it was very um, fun for them to do this. So she went back to the head of the State Department and said, do you think you could get us sewing machines? Because if I can get sewing machines to these women, I could teach them even more skills. And so mm-hmm. they said, sure. However, would you guys be willing to sew military uniforms and sheets? Because that's what we need right now. And she said, absolutely. Let's do it. So now more and more women are flooding these um, women's shelters and 300 women end up here. And so she was able to get um, a lot of sewing machines, started an assembly line in a factory, essentially, without knowing anything about business. Mm-hmm. And little by little, she went back and she was like, can I have these women get paid for their work? And, you know, they were and and slowly these women were able to either move out of the shelters and find jobs. Now they had a skill and, you know, some of them remarried, some of them moved out, some of them got new jobs. But Ultimately, she was a hero in her own right. And I saw this as a little girl. And I was like, when I grow up, I want to be just like my mother. And I want to impact women's lives just like this, but in massive numbers, right? I win the thousands. So that that little girl has always been there. And that was kind of the inspiration behind starting Chiral. Uh, once I left the, my previous career and, you know, it's really really hard actually to think what am I going to do next with my life what's that thing I'm going to do for the next 20 years right so that was the inspiration um wow yeah talk (laughs) about putting everything on the line here you are about to get uh as you said it's your it's your next time up for Mm -hmm. the death sentence call and like an angel someone comes in and saves you and that becomes the catalyst for Mm-hmm. your mom to basically inspire others as well as inspiring herself, you know, to, to deep, to dig deep down and, and realize that there's so much more that she could give that can continue to, you know, impact others' lives. I mean, what, what an amazing story. I mean, yeah. oh my God. So does your mom still live in Iran? No. So we immigrated to the U S uh, when I was seven and mm-hmm. no, where she's here, she's now a social worker with Head Start, and she's a school social worker. So she works with children now, but um, she's done it all. She's worked with <laughs> with women and um, rehabilitation facilities, and so on and so forth. But she's still a social worker here in um, Patterson, New Jersey. Mm. Wow! Yeah. Wow! <laughs> wow! She must be extremely, extremely proud of. Uh, of you and your brother, because, uh, obviously you guys are doing phenomenal, phenomenal things. And, uh, it was all based on her ideology, you know, at the time as she was facing, uh, you know, these unfortunate circumstances. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, 
that's guy that that really touched my heart, man. I didn't I didn't think <laughs> I was gonna I didn't think I was gonna hear that story, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but oh my god, wow, that was yeah. uh, quite captivating. So yeah. uh, so Hanit, uh, you know, let's let's dive into you know a little bit about you know you've had some successes in the past, you know you've had you know growth of you know, starting up uh, other types of organizations, other companies, you know, and you've had growth, you know, over 600% year over year, you know, with that being said, you know, those type of things don't come without a lot of perseverance. They don't come with a lot of sacrifice. Sometimes, you know, they ruin marriages. Sometimes, you know, they <laughs> ruin your lives. You know, walk us through a little bit of of, of what was transpiring back then, you know, as you were starting down this trek to take a company from zero to $20 million in revenue in just over five years? Yeah, sure. So thank you for that. But um, as I mentioned with my mother, one thing that I learned from her story is um, being resourceful. You don't have to know it all. But mm-hmm. you just have to get started and you'll figure it out, right? That that's what she did with with in the women's shelter. She didn't know anything about assembly lines and logistics and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. But mm-hmm. she started and so I knew that and maybe it's an immigrant, it's the immigrant in me, but um you, you can do anything. You're in this land of opportunity. So anything and everything is possible. Other people have done it. Um and I never thought about like I can't until this day I don't know that word of no it's not possible I always say no it's possible you can figure it out so um, I graduated and my husband asked well if there's anything you can do what would it be and Mm -hmm. I had worked in a nursing home from the time I was 16 and I know that the stories uh, older parents say I would take two buses to to get Mm -hmm. to school and but I actually would take two buses from college to make it to my nursing home job. And it wasn't so much about the pay. It was because I just had this great affinity for the geriatric population. I saw what a difference I could make in their lives. So mm-hmm. during my years of undergrad and you know, when I was 16, I, I was still in high school. I would go to this nursing home and I worked the front desk. But at four o'clock when all the staff and then the administrators would go home, I would gather everyone in the corridor and I would make them, you know, sing songs. And I would um, sometimes bring my makeup bag and put makeup on the women and curl their hair. And I just would see how they would come to life um, with that one-on-one attention. And I was like, this is amazing. What if I could do that? So when I graduated um, with, with my master's, I was asked, well, what is, what's the next thing you want to do in your life? Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I really want to have an impact on older people's lives. So I want to start a nursing home. However, Mm -hmm. I didn't have any capital. I didn't have, I was a broke college student. You know, I just graduated, had just gotten married, no money. And I, and my husband told me, well, why don't you start with something attainable? Like, what can you do? And I was like, well, home healthcare, um, I could, I could do that. I could start a home healthcare company. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't really need capital. You can you go to people's homes. So, um, you don't need a brick and mortar, a, a structure, a physical mm-hmm. structure. So anyways, I started this home healthcare company and little by little, 
um, it just took off. And I think part of it was because I was so passionate about what I did. I, I just, the hours would be lost. And this is what they talk about, you know, being in the flow state. I was in the mm -hmm. flow state from six in the morning until 11 PM. I would sometimes drive 300 miles all around South Jersey and Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. Delaware, North Jersey. So, um, it just grew naturally, but with growth comes a lot of headaches and, mm -hmm. you know, part of the, the headaches of that business was I had a lot of staff, right? Over mm -hmm. 500 women were working for me at, at uh, one time. And it was heartbreaking to see that I can't give them the life that they want because the margins were so low in that business. And I didn't mm -hmm. know, and I tried in so many different ways to figure out how I could give them um, a raise or figure out a way to give them more, but, um, reimbursements, unfortunately were very low mm -hmm. in that industry. So at the same time, I was starting a, um, e-commerce logistics and fulfillment business with my husband. And that one was taking off really, really fast. It was growing as well. Um, we were providing a niche service, which was, um, aimed at crowdfunding clients. Mm -hmm. And at that mm -hmm. time, it was very, very new, like Kickstarter Indiegogo was at its inception. So these guys had a different type of need than everybody else. And we were like, we're willing to help you and grow with you and do whatever it takes. You need this in your software, no problem. We got you. So um, that one was starting to take off too. I decided to leave my home care business to focus fully on the e-commerce side. And yeah, it just, it just happened. It grew, <laughs> it grew and grew, um, to four international locations until you now we had to part ways with that business in 2018. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's quite impressive. So, so in 2018, you combine your business acumen, your bioscience knowledge and your passion for empowerment to create chiral. Is that correct? Around 2018? Well, the idea started. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, what, I wish it was that easy, right? So after you leave <laughs> one business, I wish it was that easy. Figuring out what you're going to do next in your life is actually a lot harder than you would think. Um, mm -hmm. Because we did this thing for almost 10 years or eight years. We were in the last two businesses. And then to think, what is that next thing that I want to give the next 20 years to, right? I, I want to do something long-term. You know, I, I don't want a short-term stint. Um, I want something that's lasting and impactful. So I traveled and I think through traveling, you gain a lot of inspiration. And I have to say, by the way, during this time, my husband and my relationship was, um, towards its end. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm, we luckily mm -hmm. came together, but we were at the brink of divorce. And my husband said, I mean, part of it was because we never saw each other. He was mm -hmm. in Korea developing the software and working with a team over there, establishing our presence there. And I was, you know, in Delaware and traveling quite a bit uh, between our California locations. So our relationship was, you know, it, it took a toll on our relationship. And mm -hmm. I also wanted children. And, you know, there was like, where, where's the time for that? So he told me, well, go, if you need to go, go and figure it out. Um, and, you know, once you come back from your travels, I hope you can decide what we're going to do with our marriage. So um, during my time, I went to Europe for a little bit. 
And now I'm thinking not only on what am I going to do? What's the next phase of my life, but also what am I going to do with my relationship? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how much traveling can inspire you and, you know, tap into parts of you that you didn't know were there. So I went to Vietnam and I called my husband and I said, can you come meet me here? And he had also left the business. So um, I was like, can you meet me here, please? And he did. And when he came, I said, I want to work on this. I think like anything else worth saving, this this is, I'm willing to put the work in. And I think I think we have something really, really good here and solid. Let's let's fix it. So mm-hmm. um Lo and behold, a week later, I I got pregnant <laughs> during my time in Vietnam. Wow. So this this thing that I, we wanted to do for so long, almost a decade, we wanted to have children, and it finally happened. Um, and I found out I was pregnant. Um, and so that started a different type of journey, right? Now it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we have to focus on what we're going to do next in our life, but also how to make money to support this child, right? Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I, I thought, okay, how do I combine my background in aging? So the next thing I want to do has to have this, this recipe. It has to incorporate my background in aging and my passion for longevity and the sciences. It has to impact people's lives. And I want it to be a product. I really, really wanted to have, I, I've done the service business, but I want to now be in the product side of the business. And so chiral came to be because I I noticed that in the world of skincare and beauty, women love that, right? We all mm. love being beautiful, but there was a lot of um there was a lot of snake oil um right. in reverse aging overnight. And I was like, no, there's no such thing. So if I could create the most effective skincare line, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And it has to be personalized. I came to realize, no, you need to ha- take a custom approach. And what is personalized skincare that is anti-aging and effective? Well, it has to focus on the cells, right? You have to uh, work on the ce- on a cellular level. And mm-hmm. the way you do that is through either acids, you do it in a dermatologist's office through, you know, laser peels and different types mm-hmm. of peels. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I created Chiral um, where our focus is pH, concentration, and ingredients, effective ingredients. Um, and slowly I was like, I'm going to put together this plan so that women could also be become entrepreneurs and they could tap into this business and they could also make money. Like why pay Facebook and Google for advertisement when I could have people who are passionate about skincare make the money instead um, and they're trusted in their networks. And so someone was like, yeah, that already exists. It's called network marketing. And I was like, oh, that's like Ponzi scheme, right? Like that's MLMs, Ponzi. Mm-hmm. And so... I went and I looked into the network marketing world and I was like, no, there's actually a lot of good in this. Um, unfortunately, a lot of companies that have been, have practiced unethically have um, brought a bad name in that industry, but there's a lot of good stuff and you can empower lives and women's lives and do exactly what I want, wanted to do always um, teach women um, about 
financial literacy and, and entrepreneurship, all these things that I learned, I was like, I could pass that on and also teach them about the longevity process. So anyways, I'm sorry, that was a mouthful. <laughs> no, no, no. That's how it came no. to be. It was a very long process. It wasn't easy. Um, but yeah, no, we, yeah, we appreciate you sharing that with us. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, as I say, you, you open up Pandora's box when you come on cut to the chase and there's just so many great things that come out of it that are inspiring and captivating and they touch your heart. They make you emotionally cry. I mean, there's all these different things. And so as we jump into Cairo, because there's a lot of things that I, that I, that I want to talk to you about, you know, regarding Cairo, because it's your baby, you know, it's, 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 it's something that you've aspired, you, you've set your course and direction on. This is your new journey. This is your new path. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when my team and I went out and did some research, you know, what we found is, you know, everything that you said, you know, as far as it being, you know, based on uh, the science and based on being the cell. Um, but we also discovered that you've brought forth a two two components that are really unique in in the aspect of something that we would consider to be um, almost like something that we've seen before, at least for those of us that are my age, um, you know, 50 years of age <laughs> where, you know, like it kind of goes back to the Amway, um, the Avon, um, you know, kind of spinoff, but more and more of a modern day because, you know, those programs are really cultivated on teaching guiding philosophy principles, you know, as far as the door-to-door sales were concerned. But then they also had your customary, I won't say customary products, but they had your customary service as it related to understanding your customer. And so with uh, Chiral, you know, we saw that you have this training regiment. And so I wanted to dive into that training regiment just a little bit, just so we can explain to our listeners kind of how that works. So the onboarding, if someone is interested, you know, the onboarding of that requires, is there any upfront capital? Uh, What type of duration are they committed to before they actually are considered to be uh, an effective distributor? I mean, how does that all work? Sure. So I think I mentioned that um, I did, when I initially heard network marketing, I was like, oh my God, you have to buy all these products that Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to sell. And, you know, I had heard the story of LuLaRoe and the the legal troubles they were in because they made distributors Mm -hmm. buy thousands of dollars worth of leggings as they could. So I was like, I would never, ever do that if I could operate this ethically and really well. And it's all online based. I'm like, we're in the 21st century. And COVID only expedited this this, Mm -hmm. uh, model Mm -hmm. that I initially had, which was we're going to be digital only, um, Mm -hmm. no house parties, none of that. Like, let's do it Mm -hmm. all online. Mm -hmm. But also, there's no inventory that needs to be purchased because every single one of the products are customized, right? The Mm -hmm. world of personalized skincare and talk about sustainability. Like uh, you've got these old uh, conglomerates like Procter and Gamble and these guys with um, thousands of SKUs. I'm like, we're in the 21st century. We don't need all that. Like, why mm-hmm. do we have all these products when one SKU can solve that that problem if you actually incorporate technology in the right um, right operations? Mm-hmm. So with our model, there's no inventory that you need to purchase because. Mm-hmm. Um, we customize every single one of the products for the for the customer. 
and I wanted it to be accessible. So all you really have to pay for is um, a fee that is for the technology, which is basically at cost. It comes out to at cost because we have to pay for it. So um, there's no real upfront investment besides that. And if anybody is really, really, really interested and says, I can't afford that $89, I'll, I'll work with you on that mm-hmm. because I really want to teach women about this financial literacy and, and entrepreneurship. And I think this is a great way. So we're still obviously new and in our early stages, but um, we have a training curriculum uh, with videos that talks about how to market, social media marketing, effective marketing, and and so forth. So you go through this gamified platform, you watch videos, you take quizzes, and you go to the next level and so forth. So um, that's how the training is done. And the actual marketing piece is super easy. You could upload some of the photos that we have, the existing marketing material, or you could create your own, post it online. Um, but yeah, you don't have to knock on any doors. Like right. Before. Right. Yeah, it's all um, online. And I want to eventually, I'm actually talking to a wine company and uh, to see how I could bring wine night, girls' wine night, um, to the house. How can we ship wine to people and make it a digital party? So have that still like come over to my house for wine and cheese, but. Um, in a digital way, you know, you send someone a bottle of wine. So I'm kind of in the works of that too. Um, but yeah, that's, that's our model. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, you know, our, our outreach has been so vast and I've had two um, wine vineyard owners or wine brand owners on our podcast. I would be I'd be delighted to introduce them to you. I mean, if you if you if you're still trying to kick that idea around, uh, only thing you have to do is just let me know. <laughs> Absolutely, I would love to chat with them. Actually, um, I was t- uh, talking to one company, but I would love to um, chat with them to see how we could bring this this platform to life. Um, sure. Yeah, it's, it's surprising sure. that it doesn't already exist. I feel like it would be a really good business idea. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like you send bottle of wine and you have a party and it's got to be that pretty easy. Like make it a package for, for a group of people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's already mm-hmm. out there, but. Right. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how, how long is the training before the person actually is deemed to be a distributor or deemed to be I don't know, maybe worthy is probably not the right word to use, but to be able to go for it and be, you know, kind of the the spokesperson or sales rep for uh, Chiral. I mean, you can get started right away and training is something that's ongoing and I'm constantly learning and training. So, um, however, up to one month, we have a 90 day plan. So mm-hmm. within the first, the first 30 days are essentially getting your skills together, kind of shadowing someone, but the 90 day plan gives you all the tools that you'll need to succeed, including, you know, marketing material and, and so forth. And we'll actually give you all the posts for your 90 days, like what you have to post and talk about online. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say 90 days. However, because we want to educate that that's one of the big uh, components mm-hmm. of our company and, and part of our philosophy is to educate. Um, that's an ongoing process. We're going to um, have training videos and, and 
bring experts on to talk about different aspects of aging, especially longevity and, and aging. It's, it's something that is constantly um, changing. Like there's, there's new information that come about every single day and you can't stop learning. Right. Um, so we're, it's, it's going to be a continued effort. However, um, 90 days is your, your Kickstarter plan. Sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we thank you for for sharing um, that information with us, particularly as re, as it relates to, you know, someone that may be interested in pursuing, you know, that type of, uh, you know, supplemental income, um, mm-hmm. you know, in in their in their current uh, daily daily lives. So, you know, I was trying to stray away from some of the hard questions, but now we're at that point. You know, I've got some of these some of these hard questions that you know. Mm. I know I'm always asked as an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, I would, I would, I would be, I would not be doing this program any, any justice if I didn't ask you some of these hard questions. Right. And so one of the questions really relates to the fact of looking at, you know, you are an entrepreneur and you're basically stating that, you know, you have a company that doesn't require you to buy a surplus of inventory. Um, you know, you've got your costs low and, um, you know, your entry to get in is fairly low. So the question goes back to, you know, as you start to look at profit and return, and we won't even ask the question about profit and return, but it's really along the lines of, just trying to understand, is it really more cost effective to do something customary for each and every client than it would be to batch queue up, you know, a, a bunch of these products and then then you would sell them based on volume, reducing your overall um, cost per per item or per unit? I mean, help us understand that a little bit. Uh, that's a very good question. And <laughs> sorry, I, <laughs> no, I told no, you no. it was going to be I, a hard I'm, question. <laughs> I'm, no, no, it's a, it's a very question to answer your question. No, it's not cost effective. It would have been so much easier for me to have one skew of, of, uh, a bunch of different products, right? Like different, different skews. That would actually be a lot uh, more cost effective. Mm-hmm. Um, because now your 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 time is valuable, right? To formulate mm-hmm. a product for someone, adjust the pH. Like, how much is your time worth? And and mm-hmm. to get a chemist mm-hmm. to come on board and a formulator. And so no, it's not cost effective. However, um, obviously on mass scale, it it can be. And other companies are doing it currently. Um, you have companies like Function of Beauty and Pros and um, a couple other big names out there. So. It is doable, but obviously to start, no, absolutely not. Um, and yeah. <laughs> well, so. well, let me let me add let me let me let me ease your your mind and your conscience uh, a, a little bit because you know my background deals with you know um, dealing with controlling projects, and on the backside of controlling projects, you have time you have cost and you have scope of work. In your case, your scope of work is producing products. And so, you know, I've done billions of dollars of projects around the world, particularly government and nuclear type work. 
And so each and every time, you know, someone approaches me with the project and they're like, hey, Greg, why don't you take a look at this and this and that and so forth and so on. You know, I always, always go back to those three attributing factors because time, scope, and money, or should I say time, schedule, and, and scope, uh, or money, excuse me, is, is so essential, right? You know, when you got an imbalance in one, it's always costly. And if it takes you more time, it's always costly. You know, your scope may always be the same and the derivative of how you get there. In this particular case, you're doing it on a, on kind of an ad hoc basis, you know, is, is really changing the dynamics of, of your cost and your cost parameters, which is a derivative of how much time it takes to get the pH right, so forth and so on. It was just really, for me, it was, it was more along the lines of an inquisitive question because I know we've gotten to the point in our lives in society where I call us now more of a concierge type of society because everybody wants it all delivered. You know, you get your groceries mm-hmm. delivered now, you get your, you get, you know, uh, like you said, you know, wine, beer. I mean, it, it's just crazy. I mean, you don't, you could literally live in a box and never have to come out of your house because you can just, you got access to the internet. You can, you can literally make it happen. And so I was just mm-hmm. curious, you know, based on a startup perspective, you know, where everyone is bootstrapping, you're putting everything on the line, you're trying to get by with, you know, bailing tape and and wire, you know, to hold it all together. And then you have a model such as yours where, you know, it just became very inquisitive to me on the customary side as to, mm-hmm. you know, the specificity of how that derives your overall costs. But I think you've, you know, from the way you've described it, it it does provide kind of a somewhat of a a flattened curve once you get to a point to where if that is a repeat customer, then you're not having to go back and bring in, you know, the scientists, balance the pH and so forth and so on. Right. So it's really right, right. it's really the first time that you have a new client or customer where that's where it starts to take shape. And if you have a thousand or one million of those, is chiral in a position to take on that much uniqueness right out of the gate. Yeah, we would definitely have to automate and we will at, at some right. point, once we get to a certain level, we will automate. Um, currently everything is done by hand, sure. Um, but to answer your question, I think cost-wise, what's nice is that you have more control over your inventory. You're not creating more of what you don't need and it's not sure. going to just sit on a shelf and you can innovate. That's the best part mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. off of the feedback that you get. And that's so valuable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like the a normal brand that goes on a shelf, um, you have to pull that back. How long will that, that loop take? Right. right. So that, that ability for us to quickly um, innovate and take feedback and put it into our product is invaluable in itself. Um, and I guess it, if, it, if this was many years ago, um, these, uh, these cosmetic companies would have huge uh, MOQs or minimum order mm-hmm, quantities mm-hmm. per SKU, like 30,000 per SKU. And so, but nowadays that landscape is also changing because there's mm-hmm. so many uh, cosmetic formulators, skincare formulators out there that are willing to do much lower SKUs of, you know, mm-hmm. let's say a hundred per, uh, I'm sorry, lower MOQs, like let's say a hundred per, per SKU. Mm-hmm. Um, your problem becomes 
let's say, buying your bottle, something as simple as that. If you want to get that from China for a very low cost, your MOQ goes up. And right now in China, like maybe a year ago, you could have gotten a minimum order quantity of a thousand, but right now they're requiring 10,000. That's same exact manufacturer because Mm -hmm. demand has gone up significantly during COVID. Mm-hmm. And same thing with your packaging. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just the actual skincare. There's a lot more that goes into it. So, sure. um, yeah. And I think once we are able to automate, that cost will significantly go down too. Uh, but right. yeah, it has its pros and cons. Um, yeah. It just depends. Yeah. Well, we certainly, you know, I certainly appreciate you, you know, sharing that with us, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's quite a novel idea. You know, certainly I see, you know, these type of business models, like you, like I stated earlier, when I introduce you, um, you know, being a disruptor and looking at things, as I would say that defeat the existing norm, they take the, they take the existing stereotypical, you know, mindset and say, well, you know what, I'm just not going to do it. And I'll give you a good example. You know, I've got a lady that uh, we interviewed actually in this season, you know, and uh, she is a jewelry maker out of New York and her jewelry has been featured in, you know, Marie Claire and all of the different fashion magazines and been worn by, you know, a lot of famous uh, uh, actresses and she brings her jewelry to the market without going through the big box stores in Mm -hmm. any capacity because she's like, you know, Greg, I found myself literally torn because I have to come up with a new product line. And then sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't accept me. Sometimes they do accept me. And then this, that, and the other. And finally, she just got to her breaking point. She says, how in the hell am I going to run a damn business if I'm constantly trying to please the big box stores when Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Macy's or Dillard's or whomever may never accept a thing that I come up with. And so I'm required to be creative. I'm required to do all this investment. I'm required to spend all this, you know, money, but yet, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no real guarantee. And then of course they want you to lower your price. And Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. her novel idea was instead of going through the big box stores, I'll just do it all online and I'll sell my jewelry at wholesale to the consumer. Mm. And believe it or or not, it it works out for her. It really Mm. works out for her. I mean, she's doing, she's doing great. I had her on, you know, a few episodes back and we talked about that. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things where I think as I see things getting shaken up in our society, Ideas such as chiral ideas, such as this this lady with the with the jewelry company, um, these things are going to set the stage for how business is yet to be done. Because right now we're we're still not doing business the same way that uh, that we would have done it ten years ago. I mean, it has changed a little bit, but it still has this under undercurrent of well, you still got to know this person to know that person to get your foot in the door. And, you know, you got to have, you know, uh, capital and VC capital if you want large orders or whatever. I mean, it's just all this craziness that you got to go through. But think about what that may look like 10 years from now because of your model, because of this other lady's model, because of several other models that I'm aware of that that are following the same type of... uh 
disrupting, you know, the ecosystem type of approach. And I just think it's brilliant. You know, it's not that I'm, I'm casting any negativity on it. I think it's brilliant because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm in the same boat, you know, looking at how we can disrupt the markets and in things that I'm working on in some of my own endeavors, which, you know, go outside of the normal way of how people perceive the money has to go through this chain in order to be made. Well, I call that bollocks or BS or crap or whatever you want to use, but it's just not factual anymore. We just can't continue to operate that way. And so that's my point. You know, I, I, I was, I was really curious, you know, because there's more of you and I on the horizon there, Hanny, than there is of what we are currently seeing and what we've currently dealt with, dealt with in the past. And like I said, some way, somehow, we've got to all figure out how to come together and continue to push these type of narratives to get out of the way of the middleman constantly keeping mm-hmm. their hands in your pocket and the distributors keeping their hands in your pocket. And then this person, the transportation person, and that person, I mean, before you know it, your margins are crap. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. So I want to jump to some fun things because, you know, I brought up this Foxtrot thing. <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I brought up this Foxtrot thing and, uh, and, you know, I said to myself, Greg, proceed with caution on this because, you know, maybe she doesn't want to talk about it. But uh, I, I, I have to ask the question. Sorry. Were, were you involved with competition dancing back when you were doing your, your Foxtrot? Um, no. Well, it wasn't competition. I, I did a couple showcases and... Mm-hmm. Um, I registered for a competition, but no, I didn't actually go to all the way. I was practicing for it and I did my medals testing in the world of dance. Um, but I really got into it. It was great. It was, it was a really fun outlet for me to learn the skill. I was so shy of dancing for, for many, many years. And I think I mentioned to you, um, my, my relationship with my husband was going, mm-hmm. going south mm-hmm. and I was like, I need to learn something, an outlet for me to pour all, uh, pour my energy and, you know, learn something new. Um, so it just, I, and <laughs> I was so shy. Like when I walked in, I had two left feet and, um, my dance instructor really worked with me, but I had a great time. Um, did it for until I moved to California and it was very hard um, to continue. I lost my dance partner, but not really competitions. No, I did showcases, which is like for people in the community, they get invited to events and you dance for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is really embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, do you, do you still, do you still aspire to dance? Oh my God. Absolutely. I can't wait until this whole COVID thing clears because a lot of the dance studios are closed, but not only that, I lost my dancing partner and um, anyone who dances knows that there's a chemistry between you and your dance partner that has to be established. They like, you follow their energy and their movement. And um, so I have to find a new dance partner. (laughs) If there's anyone out there, let me know. Um, in, in California and Southern California, but I would love to get back to it. 
And I've also been pregnant for the past three years, you know, back to back, I had two children. So it's, it's kind of hard to foxtrot and do the Viennese waltz with a big belly. Um, but now that it's all gone, yes, I would love to get back into it. Cool, cool, cool. Well, yeah. I, I guess that means, you know, once you get chiral up to uh, a multi-million dollar uh, global phenomenal type, uh, you know, skin cosmetic line that will possibly see you on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> One day, hopefully. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, well, listen, uh, Hanny, this is... Uh, this has been real fun. And uh, certainly, you know, we'd like to leave our audience with a couple points that I'd like to make. Um, certainly, you know, if there are people out there that are looking to reach out uh, and understand more about Cairo and the anti-aging skincare product line, or maybe even for that matter, pursue their own entrepreneurial um, endeavors, how would they go about doing that? Sure. You can contact me directly if you're interested in starting your own skincare brand. I've already done it. Um, I have all the manufacturers that you need to get contact. So if you're interested in starting your own brand with your own name, um, I would be more than happy to be a mentor and guide you. So you can email me at Honey, H-A-N-I-E-H, at Chiral, Q-Y-R-A-L.com. And if you're interested in being a partner with us where we do all the back-end work, we take all the hassle away, and all you got to do is the marketing piece and you, um, you know, the entrepreneur piece, uh, the entrepreneurial piece. So if you're interested in doing that, you can visit Chiral.com. Again, that's Q-Y-R-A-L.com slash partners, and you could learn all about it. Um, but I would love to speak to anyone who's interested in, in whether pursuing their own business, um, or doing this. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Well, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Thank Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, there's always, you know, the big question at the end, right? Mm -hmm. So with everything that you've endured, you know, the, the, the highs and the lows, the successes, the triumphs things that you've gathered through trying to be an empowered woman and a loving mom um, and trying to just basically get your business off the ground. What are some of the things that you may be able to leave with our listeners regarding putting everything on the line? What would you yeah. tell her? What would you tell oh my God. If you want to do something, don't let anything stop you. You could do it. Um, I have gone through, Ups, downs. I think, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you in our, in our call, like there was a point I didn't know how to pay for a rent. You know, it was either buy um, bottles or pay for rent. Um, mm-hmm. And I had so much conviction in what I was going to do, what I wanted to do, that I was like, nothing will stop me. And you have to be resourceful. You'll figure it out. But if you want to do something, go pursue it. Don't let anybody stop you. There's no such thing as failure. You know, you, you're, you'll either learn, you'll pivot, um, you'll find a way. So that's, that's my, um, that's what I would like to tell your listeners. And 
Yeah, stick with it because I think a lot of people think that success happens overnight. And I don't know who's going around marketing that, but no, it takes a really long time. I thought it was going to be much easier than it was, but it actually takes the blood, sweat, and tears that they talk about. Um, so don't give up. Let do it. Just continue every day. Show up. I've I've shown up for the past three years, pregnant, not pregnant, nursing. You know, I have a kid that's crying right now outside my door and I have to, I bring him, I type with one hand, but I don't let anything stop me from showing up every day. And that's the, that's the most important part. So show up every day and do not give up. Um, you'll, you'll succeed. I think <laughs> if you follow that recipe. Excellent. 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 Yeah. Well, certainly thank you for, for being uh, on the show. Thank you for yeah. sharing your story. It was quite captivating. Um, you know, certainly, um, man, you know, I, I, next time I'm in California, I'm going to have to, well, you said your mom's in New Jersey, so we'll have to meet up so that I can actually shake her hand. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. Thank you. I will let her know. She's going to yeah. listen to this episode. So absolutely. <laughs> Thank absolutely. You for saying that. So as we wrap up, I'd like to leave us with uh, a, a little final remark, or should I say a quote that I found? It says, sometimes the best things you can do is not to think, not to wonder, not to imagine, not to obsess, just breathe and have mm-hmm. faith that everything will work out for the best. Mm-hmm. So to our listeners, this has been episode 126 entitled Putting Everything on the Line. Hanny, thank you very much. And as I always say at the end of every episode, let's please maintain compassion and empathy towards one another. Let's try and unify and come together to make this world a better place. And by all means, let's change the way things are being done today because we are in need of a change. Thank you, everybody. This has been Greg Proctor. Cut to the chase. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.